You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kipolevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Shalom. This is On Principle, Challenges in Jewish Education. And I have, I would say, the covered and really the great pleasure of speaking with someone that I think is um, really on the forefront of the challenges of Jewish education, uh, Ramesha Moskowitz, who joins us from Chicago. Uh, Ramesha, I don't know if, if uh, would, I, would, would I call you the CEO of Shazak, the creator of Shazak, um, uh, which is your main ed- educational thrust right now, but um, I don't want to sell you short. So what title should I give you? Well, I think a CEO would imply that I have at least 20 employees, and uh, that's not the case. Just call me, You could call me the creator. That's fine. The creator, a prime mover, and also person who I think um, uh, has developed. Now, people who don't know what Shazak is, I'll, I'll, I'll talk about it in a minute, but let's go back a little bit. I guess, wow, it's really a long time, but about 30, 32 years, let's say, that we first met, uh, maybe 33, when my son was in first grade. And uh, you were a Rebbe in, in, in Haider Lubavitch in Chicago. And what I, I found was that my son was coming home uh, very excited uh, about what he was being taught. And first was, grade. In first, first grade. grade, yes. And he was he was excited uh, and he was so happy uh, coming back, which of course was great. And then when I tried to investigate what it was about, he would uh, show me these, um, I think he would bring home these tapes of the stories. And, and many of them are Hasidish stories. Some of them are stories uh, on the Parsha. Um, and at that time, it was so unique because instead of uh, a teacher that was just you know, by rote learning, having the kids say things over. Here was a teacher that was using, although it wasn't necessarily sophisticated technology, he was using other methods of supplying ideas and information, and also in a way that was extremely funny, a way that, you know, the humor, you know, it's a trick to be able to be a funny teacher, but also to be able to get stuff done in terms of learning and the kids actually growing and gaining from it. And what I was so impressed when I used to hear those tapes, and, and I know most of it was was you, Rabbi Moskowitz, on those tapes, going through things, but you were able to uh, balance the humor and the idea in a way that they melded so perfectly that the students came out really knowledgeable and really happy and excited about what they had learned and accomplished and respect for the information. And I would say, you know, in, in my years of being a parent of my child, that my son's appreciation of teachers was probably, it reached its apex then. You know, Rabbi Moskowitz was something, was a teacher that he, that, that, that he loved so dearly. And I know that um, you've probably heard this from many parents. I wasn't, I'm not the only one who's told this to you. And I'm sure I'm not the only one, uh, I'm sure you've encountered your students who've told you the same thing. But what you're doing now, um, despite you know, everything else that you've done, and of course you're a writer and you work as a, as, as, as a not just a mashkiach, you are a, a mashkiach's mashkiach. And, but what we're here to talk about is your enterprise for Shazak. I, I think in many ways it was built out of your experience as a teacher. So why don't you talk, tell us about that? Okay, so actually bringing back memories, 
fond memories. So I was thrust into first grade and it's very, very interesting. I, I was in, actually we lived in Philadelphia for two years. I became a teacher uh, at the Beth Jacob School, which is no longer. I was a teacher for one year, and then I was asked to come back to my hometown in Chicago, which I did, and it gave me first grade. It's not that I had any preparation for it or I had any official training, but um, listen, I grew up I grew up with uh, a lot of humor in the house, and there was laughter, and my philosophy in with teaching is that if you have if you have a good time about it if you enjoy what you're doing that's the way that you're going to learn i'm going back to i always say this that there was an article from uh, about Ramosha Feinstein and they and i think the question was like how do you remember so much information so basically his answer was listen i enjoy what i do if you enjoy it you remember, it's not a burden to you. So the idea was to give them a love of Yiddishkeit and to have a good time with them. That was, that was one thing. Also, you have to realize it was the beginning of the 80s. And we, had, we have something in Chicago called the ATT, Associated Talmud Torah. And the one who was running it was Rabbi Metenki, Lenny Metenki. You know him. You probably know him well. Yes, I do. Go ahead. <laughs> so anyway, so he had his idea was that the teachers themselves should become programmers. And those were the days of the Apple II computers. And he actually, he gave some courses and he came to my house a couple of times. So I remember I actually made a program teaching gematrias. I don't know where it is today it was in those days it was like mind-boggling fantastic so i brought that into the class and we used to have races and the kids learned so much for that from that so i saw that this is this is the wave of the future to get the kids involved you don't have to really you don't have to be really a hands-on teacher uh, repeating words just by rote and it becomes a burden for them. You have to bring Tyra to life. And that's what I tried to do. By the way, you mentioned about the tapes. So actually, <laughs> um, I made, I had recordings of those cassette tapes and I digitalized them and they are online on YouTube. If you go into the, like my hater, if you look up, if you search, um, I guess, hater, Shazak, you have those tapes. And actually, um, going back, if you recall, that was, my teaching was in Yiddish. Remember that? Of course. Well, of course. Well, that was part of the appeal of, of Cheder Chabad was that the kids would learn Bederach Yisrael Saba, that they would, right, they would be a Yiddish instruction. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so... So the idea was that I would record for them a story. And everyone knew that they had to be quiet. But it was interactive because the kids knew by cue or by whatever method I, I had that they would chime in or I would stop and they would say, tell them to, to sing a song or do this or, or finish my sentence. And they were all totally involved. I had a, I 
had a closet on the side and I had a shaitel. So I would put on the shaitel and I would try to do the, you know, imitate a lady's voice. So we had a ton of fun. And then I sold the tapes to the kids. I think it was for $2 a cassette. So what's the idea? The idea is I'm coming in, you have a first grader, a kid who's six years old coming into my class. And it seems an impossible feat because the kids did not speak a word of of Yiddish. Most of them. They had a couple words from pre-1A, but that was it. So my goal was actually that they should come out understanding Yiddish. So if, if um, so, anyways, I would speak in Yiddish, or let's say I'm telling the story, it's 80% or 90% in Yiddish, and they would love it so much, they play it at home. So if they keep on playing it at home, eventually it kicks in, and I try as hard as I could not to, not not to not to speak English in the class or completely English. So as time progressed, you had six-year-old kids. I have to I have to say, I'm very proud of it, that by the time uh, right before Pesach, in honor of Yud Aleph Nissen, which is the Lubavitcher Rebbe's birthday, so the kids had to write a, they they would write a letter to the Rebbe, a few sentences, but I'm proud to say that they were able to not only understand Yiddish, but they were able to write that letter on their own to the Rebbe for Yud Aleph Nissen for the Re- in honor of the Rebbe's birthday. So that's an, a tremendous accomplishment. So how was, how was I able to accomplish it? Through like total immersion in Yiddish. And the main ingredient is that the kids should really enjoy the, what they're learning. Yeah, I think that's really the key. Uh, whatever the, the the goal is, whether it's mastery of Yiddish or, or the knowledge of uh, of the parshios or the brochos, uh, you know, you uh, were a master yourself in terms of engaging them. You know, when I started taking um, going to various uh, in services, so I heard this. Maybe you've heard it also as well. I only heard it over the last ten years or so. There's the sage on the stage and the guide on the side. And um, you were sort of a combination, starting off as the sage, but in many ways becoming the guide on the side, or at least the entertainer on the side. And uh, what I used to hear when I heard these um, these tapes, and I would listen to them and with my son together and laugh and enjoy them, was not just your sense of humor, and I think this is where we get into a segue into what you're doing now with Shazak, is there was also a tapping in, although in a very Jewish way, into the zeitgeist of popular culture. Uh, in other words, you were uh, in a way using some of the the tricks of the trade of of old-fashioned cartoons and television programs uh, that were somehow floating around in your head in a way that that still made them funny and interesting. Um, you know, I knew your family, of course, in Chicago, and and um, uh, I, I believe that uh, I believe your dad as well. I, I remember him, Frank. Right? Wasn't that was that your dad? Um, am I right about that? Yeah, he likes to be called now Ephraim. Ephraim, but I remember your father well because I, as you know, that I ran the the Yomim program, 
And uh, there was a time where he was part of it for a while and we were connected. So I knew your family well. So you're, a, you know, you talk about coming from Philadelphia, you know, you're a Chicago boy and in many ways an out-of-towner as much as you were, uh, you know, a dedicated Chabad Rebbe, but you also had, I think, that background of, that was still in your head, that background of, of, of the popular culture of the late 50s and early 60s. And I think that, I think I, I heard that and I, I see it in Shazak today. And I think you were able to distill that and capture it and use it. Did you you want to? I, I don't want to put you on the spot on this, but I, but but I think you you own up to that, no, Ramosha? Uh, yeah, a hundred percent. So it's very very interesting. So like you said, I grew up in the '60s, and we had a television, and they would watch the. I'd love to see, for example, the the Bullwinkle cartoons, and Bullwinkle really shaped shaped me. And uh, I, I just love I just love the humor over there. It was un- unbelievable. I mean, I can't I can't see anything nowadays, but uh, that old fashioned humor was was absolutely amazing. And uh, and I and I incorporated it. Or or for example, I think we we spoke about that uh, in, within my shazak. I have when it's coming into to a very serious situation, everything. And the kids always did it in Cheder. I'm going to get back to Cheder. So we're coming up to a part, and then I would say, and then, dum, da, dum, dum, dum. And back to the Cheder days, I would go, Alat Suzamin, that means everyone <laughs> together. And the whole class would chime in, dum, da, dum, dum, dum. Which, of course, is the dragnet theme of when things were getting uh, very serious in dragnet. Very, very uh, but I, I just want to tell you one, one thing. thing. Let me just finish with that. But the yeah. interesting thing is that the kids, most of the kids didn't have television or they didn't know what dragnet is, even if they didn't have television. Yeah. But they didn't know. So a lot of things in, in Shazak, uh, one of the taglines is geared for kids, great for adults. And the, the adults, or if they're old enough, or if they were exposed to it, they get the jokes, but it's fine, you know, but that's the way, that's the way it was, yeah. Look, look, look animation is, is, as you know, is built on that. There is, of course, you know, I think animated films today are probably the most popular ones in terms of, and, and there's so, so much work that goes into it. We'll talk a little bit about, about the amount of work that goes into Shazak animation, but as you know, the ones that are the most popular are the ones where the parent and the child can go together and see the film together and the parent appreciates it and the parent is happy. You know, the idea of just uh, parking your kid in front of the computer or in front of the TV or in front of, you know, is, is, is nothing uh, compared to the idea of sharing it and interacting. And I think the fact that you do have these illusions, which, you know, definitely I was picking them up. I was a big fan of Jay Ward, who, of course, was the creative Bullwinkle. And I think the thing where, I, I, you know, it made us appreciate it as parents. And I think the other thing that, that you really take out of Bullwinkle is the idea of despite, you know, the minimal, um, uh, you know, monies that they had, they had to use the same backgrounds over and over again. Um, they weren't able to have the, the fancy sort of like Disney style from the 30s and 40s where every cell was uh, actually captured and, and drawn. But they had to use their mind to come up with sharp humor, ideas that, were, that, were, that, that you appreciate the first and second time and the fifth and sixth and seventh time. 
And I think you were able to to channel that in a way. I, I would using Hasidic um, lingo, I would say you were Mavara the Nitzitzis of <laughs> of the Bullwinkle show, and you were able to really bring them into a way where you know what you have with Shazak. So um, you know Shazak. I know you were a Rebbe in 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 the Cheder, and, and you did that for many years. Uh, when Chaim, my son, was with you, he was sort of your your beginning period. Um, but you but you stopped doing that. When, when did Shazak begin? And, and let's, let me just tell what Shazak is for people. Shazak is a multimedia um, learning experience, and it's a way for uh, everybody. But obviously, you say geared for kids that they could understand all the partios. I believe, right? Plus, I think which many students know. Uh, even ones who never heard of Shazak, uh, the two films that that you created and the books that went along with it, um, the uh, the Queen of Persia, and Miracle Lights, which is about Hanukkah and Purim, and and, and uh, out of Egypt, and out on. of Egypt, I think was that that was later, right? That you did later. No, 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 no. The last one was Miracle Lights. Oh, that'd be. The but, one, out of, people know out of Egypt and Queen of Persia; those are the two most popular. Uh, uh, okay. You have the book, you have the, the graphic novels, we call them, and the videos, which are right. very long video, two right. hours almost. Right, and, and these are really you know in, in, in incredible in terms of the way they have spread. And I think that you, you I think uh, on your website you mentioned this, but I didn't need your website to know that they are spread everywhere. It's not just, you know, it's not just the Chabad Yiddish-speaking cheder. This is really everywhere. These books, especially those three, which about Hanukkah, Purim, and Pesach, they have become, in many ways, fair. The teachers have been using, even in conservative and, and reform schools, perhaps, or even schools that are not affiliated, just because of the quality of the writing and, you know, the excitement that that brings. I'm sure you've, uh, you know, I, I think those were, you know, these, uh, you know, really massive uh, successes in that way, right, Rabbi? I, I see kids and uh, are invited to somebody's house for Shabbos, and they say something, Queen of Persia. Queen of Persia, I think, is a, nine, a hundred minutes or something like that. They could, they could repeat it word for word, that 104 minutes. They know it by heart. They watched it so many times <laughs> to such an extent that uh, teachers can no longer teach the story of Purim because the kids know it better than the teachers. The Persia, the, the other point though, and I'm sorry to interrupt, but the other point of, of everything that I do is the goal is not that they should use Queen of Persia. This is their Megillah. The goal is to use that as a stepping stone for the authentic source, which is the Megillah text in Hebrew. If you look into Queen of Persia, there are 10 chapters, and these 10 chapters correspond to the 10 chapters of the Megillah. Is it 10 chapters? Or the chapters of the Megillah. And they go in order. So someone came over to me actually from a high school last week and says, you know what? I had the greatest idea, and it had to do with out of Egypt. And actually, I thought of this, and I would tell people to do this also. So you take a high school class, a girls' high school class, you give them the book out of Egypt or Queen of Persia. They should take sticky notes, and they should write the sources of these different pictures or or text of Queen of Persia or out of Egypt. So always going back to the source, 
And later I'm also going to mention how I do with my Shazak, my Shazak online. Um, also going back to the text. Yeah. You know, again, you, you're part of me for a second here. You know, I, you know, obviously out of, you know, out of Egypt, which I actually, I only watch the intro, but I love the intro. I love the, um, you know, the background, you know, how you, you know, basically, you know, uh, you know, even before the credits begin, you know, you Building have, the, you have the, right. Mm-hmm. That was really, you know, very cinematic. And uh, of course, you know, I showed my kids when they were growing up, um, I know Spielberg, I think was behind it was a prince of egypt which uh you know it, you know in many ways uh, is obviously very secular but on the other hand does have you know a lot of brilliant interesting elements to it like how moshe rabbeinu discovers who he is not like chazal at all totally invented uh, maybe possibly a, a drush for today but i i found what you did uh, throughout was sticking to the standard whether it was rashi or the midrashim you didn't go far into some left field uh, in order to make it palatable. You went with what was considered, you know, generally the day of Chazal. I know that's, or what the, what's in the Rashis, which is easily uh, uh, easily accessible to people. And I think that, you know, you, you definitely dress up the Midrashim in a way that makes them interesting. But as you say, the sources can be found easily. You know, you don't find some obscure uh, Chazal and use that to take artistic license. So in a way, you, you, you really force yourself in these creations to, to, to stick to the basic Makairis uh, and, and, and yet invest them in, in a way that's inventive. Um, you know, whether it's, whether it's uh, Vashti getting Tsaras or growing a tail or whatever it is, you know, um, you're able, I think, to, to do that in a way where you know, it's fun, and everyone remembers what the Messiah was, as opposed to you know, you know, uh, how am I going to, uh, how am I going to animate this? What, what story am I going to use? Oh, I'm going to use some tzavar for the medrash. I think you know, you, you stay within the you know the usual bounds of what makes what what's familiar to people, and I think that's part of what why I think you have that lasting ability. Just to tell you another compliment. That, that's why I think it's great for schools. Right, it's and, an amazing tool for. Right, because I, I tell you, I once uh, showed. Yeah, Prince of, I once basically, showed Prince, basically, I try, I tried to stick with Rashi. Yeah, well, you know, I, I just finished the thought, and again, Hello? I'm not trying. Uh, yeah, uh, again, I'm sorry for talking over you, but when mm-hmm. I showed Prince of Egypt in a very modern school, I said, "Okay, how does Prince of Egypt, you know, the the DreamWorks, how does it differ from from what you studied?" Um, so I tried to do sort of something similar to what you're suggesting uh, to try to get them to see, you know, Chazal or Rashi versus this version. I think what you're able to do is to synthesize it in a way that actually makes them come back uh, to the Chazal uh, and, and see it perhaps in your way. So, so you have, of course, these three films, which were the big blockbusters. And it took a lot of work and effort. I know that unlike you know, I mentioned, we mentioned Disney, we mentioned DreamWorks. You you really it's amazing the amount I mean you, you don't have hundreds of people working for you right um, you know how big is your staff? Uh, my staff is one person. <laughs> right now it's one person. Um, I make I made the website. I have my IT guy in case there's any problems, but basically we're over that. 
This year has been a work in progress. We're talking about my website. My website is shazak.com and uh, shazak.com slash subscribe. I'm telling to the listeners now, if you use, could I promote it? 100%. And as, as someone Am I allowed who, to promote it? You okay. know what? We, you use it? Huh. I, I can just tell you as a user. Who, use the coupon code. Go, go ahead. Yes. Use the coupon code. 20 Shazak and you get 20% off. You have deals uh, for, for uh, standard, which will be the Parsha of the Week premium, which you have access to all the Parshas of the Torah, Parshios of the Torah, and also the holidays. You can see those movies also. So 20 Shazak, you use that, that coupon code. So um, let me tell you, I so, used it. I used it. I, my, yeah. I, just, I just want to say I used yeah. it and, so, and my so kids yeah, loved it. Me, yeah. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Fantastic. So asking me who's, who is my staff right now, I'm trying to, um, I have my artist. Uh, first of all, I have to give credit to David Sokoloff. A lot of people know the name. He brings to life with his pictures. Absolutely amazing. And uh, we do have a Shazak Parsha app, a one-time fee, and you just get the picture and the audio on the website you get a lot more, including we're trying to do a video every single week, which is extremely challenging. But this David Sokoloff will come to my... ...correcting pictures. And we're constantly correcting pictures. If they need correction, I get messages from different people. Even today, got a message. We have to do this. I have my artist... But the way that I was able to accomplish it on my shoestring budget, even out of Egypt, Queen of Persia, was that I went overseas in order to get people. And Baruch Hashem, I had Seate Deshmai, I was able to find the right people. But right now, what, what, what I also find is, although um, I'm quite old in relation to the, to the teachers nowadays, but my passion for learning myself never ended what i would do is actually uh, whatever whatever it would take i would try to understand the technology and implement the type technology and to learn the technology if you're talking about adobe suite for example i could say i'm fluent with adobe suite across the board so i'm different than other people other people they have to hire other people all i need is time not therefore it's taking me years to do this, but I'm able to do this. I'm able, and I know, and I know what the capabilities of technology is, as opposed to other people. If you're just saying, well, this is my idea and you go to somebody, I guide, I could guide a person, uh, my, my artist, my artist, his name is Otto and he's in Argentina and he's unbelievable. So we do these, these characters and he understands the style of David Sokoloff. So, um, so I, I have plans, I have ideas of all different things, and it's always a work in progress. And I keep my job here. I'm a rabbinical coordinator here at the CRC. I love doing that. And I love meeting people and everything. But this is my, uh, this is my passion. My passion is Chinuch. And um, I, I even forgot what he asked me, but I hope that's okay. I'm ha- no, no, I'm happy that uh, you know you're very you know you, the, the passion is spilling over, uh, Ramosha. and I, I think you know what what you see here also is that you know you have not um, 
lost, you know, the excitement, the energy uh, to want to learn. And, you know, you said Lenny Matanke introduced you to uh, certain aspects of computer technology, but, you know, you know, you took the ball and you ran with it and, and you realized that you realized that, uh, you know, that you've taken ownership and um, of that. And I think that allows you uh, not just creative control, but it allows you the excitement uh, of, of what you're doing as opposed to, you know, I, I'm not, you know, I have an idea, but I don't know how to make it happen. You know how to get that. You know how to get that done. And again, the delegation. I know that David Sokolov and, of course, Michael, who I worked with on my Michael first. Shoshani. Michael Shoshani, who I worked with uh, in my. If you might remember. Narrator. Yes, he's your narrator, and he, of course, was our intro guy when I first did the Chavrusa program, which still is happening now with Rabbi Warch. I still do that. Um, you know, in a, in a new way. Uh, so you were able, and also I think to use your own, use your family as well as many of the voices uh, that that are reading your scripts, right? You're you're you are the you are the you're the you write the scripts for every all these parshios, and I know I just looked at Parshas Bullock, for example, that's coming up, and it has you know 25 different sections uh, plus a quiz that's fun to take. Um, it's much more than just a 30 minute video about Parsha's Bullock. Uh, you know, of all these Parshas, I guess, you know, each Parsha probably represents hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours of work on your part, just coming up with the insights and the ideas and the, and the jokes uh, and, and the images and the characters. Um, and, and, you, and you're telling me also, Ramesha, that you are tweaking it constantly you know you're you're not satisfied with you know that madura the the madura comma it, it always changes some right throughout the years correct yeah 100 percent. actually this past week we, we we haven't recorded for a long time but i'm i'm trying to add different things for example tishabab what i could do this year tishabab is the story of kamta and bar kamta so just going Back years ago, David did the scratch, uh, the, the drafts for me, the black and white, the line work. And just now I sent it to my artist, Otto, and he finished it up. This past Sunday, we had Shmaria Shoshani, Michael Shoshani at, at my house together with David Sokolov. Because I have to say, I'm plugging David Sokolov. He is could, could draw the most evil characters. His voices, every evil voice is David Sokolov. That's Haman, <laughs> that's Aesov, that's, uh, um, you know, every evil character you could, or, or you could say every character that has a sharp, long nose, that's an evil character by David Sokolov. <laughs> right. And he is the evil voice of those characters. And he is the nicest guy in the world, sure. I, I remember. So, um, I remember. We just recorded, yeah, Kamsa Bar Kamsa this past Sunday. So, Kamsa, so, 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 do you have the uh, video to go along with it? Is there going to be a? a... Well, that's what I'm going to do. Step number one is the uh, is picture. Step number two is the audio. Step number three is making the video. And Amir Tzasham, I'll do it for Tishabov. Uh-huh. So yeah, wow, you've got you. So you have got a gun to your head, so to speak, to get it done. Uh, to that, that by Tishabov, there's going to be uh, what uh, I guess about a, a a ten or twelve minute uh, video about Kamta Bar Kamta. Yeah, 
Yes. Well, that's yes. I have a gun to my hand every week this year. It's crazy. Why is that? Push my every week a video. The videos were not are just developed this year. I have the audio. I have the pictures. I am making this year. I'm making the videos and Baruch Hashem, I could say I have 38 of them done or 39 of them done, 39 parshas, but uh, I'm not satisfied with the ones of Shemos, say for Shemos, I'm going to redo it this coming year. But this year has been the most intense and the most, uh, the most pressure, you could say, to put up these videos. People have no idea what it means. I have to make, for example, on a parsha, 100 new pictures. I do it myself. 100 new pictures based on the pictures that I already have. And like you said, it's, it's a shoestring budget and all different ways in order to make it still exciting. And you know, it's interesting, of course, that, we, that, that you, you talk, we, we've talked about the way the kids are fascinated, but the adults are enjoying it. You've also mentioned the, the integration uh, of how that could work within schools. And I think that that... Okay. Yeah, so... Yeah, you want to finish your sentence? I, I, I'm very good. My wife tells me. <laughs> it's true. I'm very good at interrupting people. <laughs> I, I'm the same way. So we should be... We, we, I, this is one of the reasons I think we like each other so much. But <laughs> like like interrupting each other. But what, I guess what I'm saying is, is that y- your purpose is not to create an alternative to school what you would like is for schools to adapt what you're what you're doing and to in their own way using the material that you're creating come up as you mentioned before methods for high school kids to find the sources but i but i guess the next step is to train the schools to use your stuff um you know we all know you know we've all had i've worked many years as a teacher um, with less success than you ever had. I mean, I was not, not as a successful teacher as you are, though, you know, maybe in certain ways, you know, I, I had my nachas. But we know that many times what principals want is a quiet, <laughs> quiet hallway. You know, they want to, right, you know, they want just order. And I, I think that what you have uh, is, is great and is important. And maybe what needs to be worked on uh, is a way for, these videos, these in, incredible, creative, interesting ideas that you have brought to life to be integrated in the class, not just as a way, oh, the teacher didn't have what to do today, so he showed us the movie, but in a way that they could actually be uh, essential in the curriculum. And, 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 and that, I, that, that I think is going to take some effort, correct? Yes, yeah, so, so I, I like to elaborate on that. If you would allow me to. Uh, 100%. The mic is yours. Okay. So let me get back to to my philosophy. So philosophy number one is that the kids should enjoy it. And if there was complete order in my classroom, uh, it wasn't the free-for-all at at all. You could hear a pin drop. The kids were always engaged. And and the idea was that, that... I, I saw in teaching first grade, my actual teaching time was very minimal. It was to get the kids involved on their own. Actually, I set up something. I taught also fifth grade, and I set up something called centers. And the centers were 20 things hanging on the walls. When they finished something, 
they could choose what subject they want to talk about. And these centers, you took a paper, you get an idea, it gave you instructions what you could do, whether you want to learn Safras or learn more about Brachas or take this or that. And the kids enjoyed it so much because they had freedom. They weren't bogged down to a specific thing, task that they had to do. And they, I don't appreciate it myself. If I have to do something, I'm like locked in. Help me over here. So free the kids from that. So the way that the philosophy number two is that a teacher should always stay away from teaching. Don't teach. Rather be a coach. And that also has to do with the idea called a flip classroom. I'm sure you're familiar with that, is that the, the, the kids learn, do more of their learning on their own, and the teacher just guides them along so everyone could work at their own level. So let's take, so let's take Shazak. Um, I'm, also, uh, I'm also very involved with the works of the Rambam. And I actually wrote a sefer on the Rambam. So when I saw something in the Rambam's introduction, his Akdama to Pirish Mishnayis, the explanation on the Mishnah, he said, there are four benefits to this. I want to review two of them. One benefit is that his commentary to the Mishnah is an introduction to Mishnah and Gemara. And number two, it's a review of Mishnah and Gemara. So those are the two aspects. So I think Shazak is also like this. Shazak is not there as a replacement for teaching Parsha. By the way, I don't think there's anything else on the market that actually has a video where you can click the button. And this is the basics of the Parsha. There is no such thing out there. As far as I understand, Shazak is the first one to do such a thing. So it doesn't give you every aspect, but this is, it's not just a Dvar Torah in the Parsha. This is what the Parsha is talking about. So number one, the benefit of the Shazak is that it's an introduction to the Parsha. When I say Parsha, it could also be Chomish. If a teacher is teaching Parsha Slech for example. So you go to Parsha Slech in Shazak. However, it's an introduction and it's also a good review view if you know the Parsha already. So that's what Shazak is all about. So let's say the fact of the matter is, Rabbi Avram, I'll ask you a question. As a teacher, and you, your main focus is not teaching the Parsha of the week. Your main focus is to teach the kids whatever curriculum you have. That's what you have to do. Which, from which Parsha is it downhill is it more of a burden for you to teach the Parsha of the week? Which Parsha would you choose in the Chumash? You're asking me which Parsha do, do I believe is the greatest challenge to teach children? Starting from that Parsha, it becomes much more challenging teaching in a classroom mm-hmm. and any grade. Well, um, I think that, uh, you know, it's interesting you're asking me this question. I'm happy to to try to answer. Let me give a little historical perspective to the answer before I give you my answer. We know that, uh, you know, based on Medrashim that you find in in, in, in Medrash Rabbah, that they used to start the Tinoikos with Sefer Vayikra. And Chazal say, Yovo HaTahirim Biyasku Bidivrei Tahara. But 
I would say that um, the, uh, the, you know, in Vayikra itself, you know, there, you, you can definitely teach about the behemoths and, and that, that, that gives you a little bit of an interest. But I think when I would say the Parsha that probably goes downhill, that's probably the hardest to, to teach without moralizing it uh, to the point that it becomes insignificant is Parsha's Sazria Matsaira. Um, to me, those are that's probably the place where teaching the Parsha is probably one of the most difficult uh, Parshios to teach. If not okay. the most, if if not the most, would you agree with me that it's a pretty tough parsha to teach? Other than talking about, you know, Lashon Hara and Okay, Saras. I think my connection is not that good. Right. Okay. So my answer to the question is just practical. Practically, where do the stories end? Parsha Sisro. You have Kabbalah Satora before you had stories. Starting from Mishpatim, you really have to start thinking, and you have to think to yourself very hard: How do I make this interesting? for the kids in the classroom. I have 20 minutes. I have a half an hour teaching the parsha. How do I do it? At the same time, starting from those parshas is you're already thinking about Purim and then you're thinking about Pesach. What happens after Pesach, then you're getting into the Vayikra, the hard stuff and everything. Teachers, teachers, what they do is, in many schools, is they have something, some pictures, some questions that they have, and teachers tell me all the time. I'm getting messages from teachers and says, you have changed the way that I teach Parsha. I Impossible for me to teach them Parsha starting from Mishpatim. Impossible. You have changed it completely. Kids, what Shazak tries to do, and Baruch Hashem, I think I'm successful with that, Every single parsha becomes interesting, and can't say it's a hundred percent throughout throughout the parsha, but it it just brings kids. They you know einadaima shmiyaleria, they see it, they see it, and they become involved with it. So let me get back to what I was saying before. Stay away from teaching. A teacher should be a coach. So let's say, let's say the kids have access to Shazak, whether it's the app or something else. So you give the, so, so the way that it should work, at least in my dream world, I don't know if it's going to happen, but I'm sure some schools are doing it already, is that you tell the kids, or in the classroom, let's say they have iPads, you tell the kids, you go on Shazak and you do your research yourself. Many sections also have insights. You're talking about perhaps older kids. You, the teacher says, choose which insights you want to present on Friday, Erev Shabbos. You say the Dvar Torah. You're not even telling them which Dvar Torah they should pick. But that means that the kid gets a certain sense of satisfaction. As it says, popular, I mean, this is Shazak philosophy coming straight from the Gemara. Adam writes a It's a sense of accomplishment. I mean, a person wants something that they actually did rather than something which is spoon-fed to them. So it's a sense of accomplishment that they could come back and they could share it with the class. Or you could play the video, you could stop the video, you could ask questions, you could bring in, oh, where is Shazak getting it from? It's from this Rashi, from this Rambam, from, from whatever. So, so it becomes 
a total immersion, a total experience change from this, oh my gosh, I have to teach him Parsha Shmini, Parsha Tazria, like you say, Tazria Mitzora happens to be my videos, I think one of the best ones, actually. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it comes to life all about it. And, and, and as Parshas progress, I get more into the Rambam. And we deal, Tazriya Mitzora actually interjected in, insights uh, also from the Rambam. So that is the idea. That's the idea of Shazak. Don't use it as, as a replacement, but like the Rambam says, it's a good introduction or it's a good for Chazara, for repetition, for, for review. And uh, another thing, for example, there's something I used to give, I don't know if you recall, but there was somebody who made fantastic stick figures all on one page with pictures of the Parsha on one page. So I used to send it home in, in, in first grade with the kid. So I did a, a, a better style of that. It's called Parsha on a page. So if you go onto my Shazak website, if you're a subscriber, you could download Parsha on a page, both, both the color version and the line work and the black and white. And many Parshas also have just the title and you make your own picture. So what, what happens is instead of the kid at the Shabbos table, for example, instead of the kid just reading the questions, oh, what's your Dvar Torah? Just reading from it. And you're thinking to yourself, oh, is this what I'm paying tuition for? No, they have the pictures in front of them all on one page and that guides them. It's not there as a substitute. It guides them. It's a beautiful guide how they could relate in their own words what the Parsha is talking about. And one parent told me a four-year-old kid was doing that. It was unbelievable. So really my dream is Shazak should change change the way that we're teaching, make it easier for teachers. You know, you're spending so much money. School spends hundreds of thousands of dollars and everything. Why not use this? And in my opinion, it's a very, very good tool to teach Parsha. That's my plug. So, Ramesha, you know, you've, you've spoken passionately and I think cogently and importantly about Chumash and about the Parsha which I think is, of course, an essential part of any sort of elementary school education and high school education. But of course, we know as the students develop, you yourself, of course, taught us Cholos Gemara, uh, Mishnayis and Gemara. So do you see um, you know, the Shazak method being applied as you're doing with Kamtsin Bar Kamtsa, which is a piece of Agadita? But look, if you can make Sazria Matsaira interesting, you should be able to make Ewa Matsias interesting as well, obviously. And um, that's something which I know that you know the students are doing. And you know, if it works for the goose, it should work for the gander as well. Do you do you have some plans to perhaps expand into uh, in, in, into Torah Shabbat? So, quite often people ask me those questions, or they could say, "Well, I have an idea. Why don't you just make something on Nach? Okay, you did the Torah do on Nach, or why don't you?" Or is, Saying now, you didn't use the word just, but I always laughed, you know, at that, at that word just. Why don't you just? Bottom line is I work tirelessly for the CRC. This is, I'm a rabbinical supervisor. And um, if, 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 you know, like a fiddler on the roof, if I were a rich man or someone sees 
the benefit of Shazak, and all of a sudden someone donates a few million dollars. Oh, now I now I have capability to hire other people. Uh, will I do that? Well, I probably wouldn't do that anyways. Could they use the same methods? Perhaps they could, but leave it up to someone else to do that. As far as Gemara or Nach, I feel that Chumash is still not, I'm not finished yet with, with Chumash. I could do games. Um, I did I did actually over 20 years ago something called Learn to Learn Chumash, Learn to Learn Gemara, which is a similar philosophy as you teach them the standard the standard words of the Chomish, the standard words of the Gemara in a fun way, using games. And then you have uh, you have your introduction to Chomish and Gemara. So my, my, my most, uh, the plan that I have for either this coming year or the following year is called Chazak Parsha Jr. And the idea is that he's saying there are 25 sections, make it much smaller. And Chazak is great, I would say, for kids six years old and up. But how about kids who are three years old to, to six years old? So that's what we're doing, actually, writing the script. I've been working on it a whole year with my editor. I don't write everything myself. I have an amazing editor. His name is Rabbi Anonymous, or some people call him Rabbi Pliny. Um, so we're working on or, or this. Maybe uh, Rabbi Pliny. No, no, no. <laughs> Or Hahu Gavra, and um, that's what we're working on on Shazak Jr. So this well, is my plans. My, you know, Shazak is a work in progress, but I don't think I'm ever going to get to any other level of uh, Gemara Mishnah or that. Well, like again, you know, if I could perhaps um, suggest that you know you, you are a person, as you say, writes on a makabshalo for the kids. I think you are the embodiment of that in terms of doing everything yourself. And, you, you know, but on the other hand, you know, you've been able, I think, you know, it's sort of like a paradox, but you are also able uh, to delegate and work with people. Um, you're, you're very far from being this auteur who has to have everything his way. You, you accept people's ideas and, and you work well with all your collaborators. Uh, what I would say is that I think you're the perfect person to take on, uh, you know, as you continue, maybe uh, an apprentice who could perhaps learn from you, because this is not something that you can just okay. you know, watch a video. I think it would be great if you would take on an apprentice who could actually maybe go on and do the, the work that's so essential in terms of Vishnayas and, and Gemara and other places like you're showing now uh, with Kamsa Bar Kamsa, which is how to learn a Chazal and how to bring a Chazal to life. You know, especially in today's times that people are so... At large, it has not changed. And I feel so passionate about it that this is something that should change. In other words, and, and I, I, I'm going to speak, for, it's going to be Dvarma Yoytzim in Alev. I'm speaking from the heart. Is I think across the board in yeshivas, we have the standard curriculum. And you're thrust into Mishnayis and then Gemara full force. And Torah is vast. Anyone who has access now to, to the Eitzer HaChachma, the Barilan, the types of Svar, Hebrew books. We didn't even, I didn't know this as a kid. I didn't know what's out there. Limited libraries. But the Torah is Aruka Me'eretz Midor, It's vast. And what the yeshivas, what the schools are giving us, it seems to be very, very limited. At least we should know 
who the authors are of this form. Who are the Rishonim? Who are the Achronim? When did they live? What did they want to accomplish? Who was passionate about it? It was the Chida. And for that reason, the Chida wrote so many different Svarim. I think he wrote 83 Svarim. And uh, the Chida traveled from place to place. He had Mesiris Nefesh. He went to museums. He went to, he, he went to libraries. And he wrote Shem Agdailim for, for a purpose. And in his Akhtama, his introduction to Shem Agdailim, Rabbi Kivalevitz, I'm looking at all your Svarim behind and brings back fond memories. They're going <laughs> up to the ceiling over there and I could actually see a picture. But Rabbi Kivalevitz is a unique, you know, several people in this world know there's all these Svarim. But why aren't we exposing this to our, to our Talmidim? Why aren't we doing this? Why aren't we giving them lessons? For example, if I had, if I had any power, what I would do is actually give them a course in Oitzer Achachma, in Barilan, show them what there's out there, and give them a project to do on their own. But high school students, yeshiva students, many of them do not even know the basics. So after my ranting and raving on this... What I have done is actually for several years given a shear, and that shear was called Svarn Vesayfrim. I actually have a, a, a PDF. I made two curriculums, one in Hebrew and one in English, and that I would teach every Sunday for an hour and a half, and students came out from there, thank you very much. This is something that we would never have gotten anywhere else. So that was my Svarim Vesayfrim. Basically, it was the key Rishonim and Achronim going through a year's time and giving them what I would do. It was actually, it was actually a unique, it was a unique investigation on my part because I would spend over 10 hours a week or something just reviewing, well, picking out what are the most, what are, what are the most interesting Shiloh Sechuvas, let's say in the night of Yehuda, taking his Shiloh Sechuvas, talking talking a little about the personality, et cetera, et cetera. Actually, I give a sh- I've been giving a share between Mincha and Marv in the Free Synagogue here in Chicago, and uh, people love it. You know, everyone who's in show listens to it, and they're involved in it. So, so that's Farm from led me to another safer, which maybe I regret doing now, because it took me so much time to do it, and I don't think it I think it's underappreciated, but where I really go into length about, you really want to know the Rambam was not just a person who wrote Mishnah Torah. The Rambam was a multifaceted person who wrote many different svarim. You want a good introduction with, with good ha'aris, good notes about that, that's Hamavay Lusifre HaRambam. So yeah. that's, why, that's why also within Shazak itself, especially from the Svarim of Ayikra further, I do try to incorporate the Rambam because I, I fell in love with his education. Well, there's de- definitely the Rambam was the master in terms of uh, uh, being giving over complex information with introductions. That's part of what, you know, there were Svarim that had introductions beforehand, but the Rambam was the one who brought the Aristotelian idea that you can't really understand something unless you have the principles in your mind clear beforehand and therefore he follows through not only as introductions but even as he goes through the halachas he's always a teacher he realizes who his audience is 
And I think that's part of the reason why you have such great affinity for the Rambam. I'd also add to that, I'm sure you, um, you know it, but I think people should also realize that the Rambam's parish of Mishnayis was much more than a commentary. It was a full-fledged Arabic translation in the language of the vernacular. The Rambam wanted the Mishnah to become relevant, and the Rambam therefore translated it uh, and, and, and used the Mishnah and showed that the Mishnah is actually uh, a, a place. And again, he wrote it when he was uh, 30 years old. Uh, he finished it, I think, when he was 30. I think he was working on it from, the, from his 20s on. But he was able to show that the Mishnayis is really not some sort of obsolete thing that you just have to run to the Gemara to, but you can actually understand the Mishnayis and use the Mishnayis as a way to get to Psach Halacha. Not that he was pasquing for Mishnayis itself, but a person could have that book and still be able to understand the Asodas of Teresh the Asodas of how Halacha works. So the Rambam, like yourself, I mean, you were following in the Rambam steps because that's what the Rambam was doing, even in his, you know, in his parish Mishnah, which was, you know, recognizing the masses needed it. Um, you know, and again, the Mishnah Torah itself, as you know from the Hakdama to Sefer Mitzvahs, he created a whole new language. The Rambam's terminology that that he uses. Uh, there was nobody who ever wrote so extensively using it's a, a new style for rabbinic Hebrew. So he really began, uh, as he says, a Lashon HaMishnah. It's not Lashon Tanakh, and it's not Arabic, like his Parish HaMishnah, but even his new Hebrew, his new rabbinic language, was a language that he pushed the borders of and developed. So I, I understand exactly why you know, you, you want to be Tewa yourself in the Rambam. I think in many ways, uh, you're a worthy Talmud of the Rambam's derech. So, Rabbi, I wish you all the best. Thanks for giving us so much, so much. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode.